energy. Energy is all around us. It's flowing through us. It's everywhere. How we take that energy in, though, is very different. Are you taking in positive energy? Or are you taking in a lot of negative energy? My guest today is Dr. Christina Tarantola. You may remember, in checking out the podcast, that Christina was the second ever guest on the show. I brought her back to talk about how things are going here with the coronavirus, energy, and we also talk a lot about a variety of subjects and how things will pan out after this whole pandemic and how life will be different, how our energy will be different. I'm happy to have another go with Christina Tarantola. All righty, Christina. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what a world we're in, huh? Yeah, it has been a heck of a march. (laughs) It has been a, it's been a very strange march, I would say. Yeah. How has your life been impacted by this so far? So I feel like for me, this is the work that I do with people, actually, this transformation work. And I feel like that's almost what COVID-19 is creating for people. It's a transformation container, because if you think about it, a lot of people are isolated. They can't go outside, so they can't do the things that they're normally doing. And they're having to be with themselves, and they're reflecting, and they're doing that self-introspection um, while also, you know, probably watching Netflix and having fun and all that stuff. Oh, but yeah. I feel like even more so people are seeing these um, maybe patterns or aspects of their personality that they might have suppressed or avoided through, you know, distractions in the outside world. So I feel like right now um, people are seeking me out because they're experiencing higher levels of anxiety and feeling heavy and depressed and all of these things. So I feel like, um, you know, and I've experienced it too. I think like everybody collectively is going through this shedding process of experiencing these different levels of things that they've, they've never dealt with before. So maybe it's mass levels of uncertainty or fear or whatever's coming up. And, I think that this work is more important now than ever, you know, the transformation work. So I've seen just a surge of people, you know, um, posting, you know, with their unique gifts on Facebook and, and asking for advice and different things. And so I've really put myself out there. Uh, I actually had an idea pop through today. I'm going to be doing a dance party, (laughs) on Thursday. Yeah. So, you know, um, I put out a free meditation, you know, creating events online so that people can still feel, um, a sense of safety and feel like they can come to a place where, you know, their feelings can be released and, and they can, I almost feel like it's a rebirth, right? It's a collective rebirth of shedding the things that aren't working so we can step into, you know, what our life is going to look like after all of this. So I feel like that's just a little bit of what I've seen. Um, But yeah, it is, it's pretty crazy. What do you think 
our life is going to look like after this, just some potential projections of these things, you know? So I feel like it's going to look different for everybody, but because of this deeper level of introspection for whatever this, you know, two or three week container is going to be, I feel like people are going to be either choosing to, you know, shift maybe their career or maybe they're stuck at home with their partner and they're like, Hey, this isn't working. Like everything is kind Mm -hmm. of being brought to the forefront. It's being illuminated. So we can't ignore the things that were there. So, you know, for example, if somebody had underlying anxiety and, and they hadn't really dealt with it, I feel like sometimes what comes through is, is that because you're stuck at home with yourself, you're being isolated. And, you know, so these things are going to be coming to the forefront. So the outcomes are going to look different for everybody. But I, I definitely think that there's going to be definitely a deeper sense of introspection and people really looking at their lives to see, you know, what's the next chapter for me, because I feel like the way that the world was operating before, it's almost like someone just shook up this puzzle and the pieces yeah. aren't going to be able to fit back together. That's what I feel. Yeah, You're gonna have to, Businesses have to pivot. You're going to have to figure out new ways to reach people. That's just, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, like how it's going to be. That's what I feel. Yeah, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the concept of coming home. You know, you always think that home is going to be the same. But, mm-hmm. you know, as you get older, home changes what that means and you know, the people in your life become different and grow and they have their own family and stuff. And you can never recreate what you had when you were like 10. Right. You know, it's just, and I think some people are going to try to do that. They're going to, let me just get back to my normal. I'm like, well, what is that? I don't know that that's going to happen. You know, yeah. like you have to understand that it's going to change, you know. Right. And I feel like if people stay stuck, you know, and, and I talk to a lot of people, a lot of women who are feeling stuck right now in their lives, but they're not willing to make the changes. So if you stay anchored into that old paradigm of, you know, the way that things were and the way that you, you were making money before and the way you were operating, I feel like in some way or another, you're going to feel stuck because literally this collective, like what's happening right now is calling us to ascend, to release what's not working in this container so that we can be reborn into the next phase of what we're meant to bring to the world. And I feel like light workers and people who are going to be stepping into their purpose, like this is our time. This is our time to really, you know, release, you know, the old things that aren't working, whether that's a pattern or a habit or a way of being so that we can really step forward into this new state of being that's, that's what this is all calling us into. It's like waking everybody up. That's really what I feel like is happening right now. I think it's an interesting, um, how do I say this? Like it's kind of a dual edged sword in a sense. Like I think like for myself, I certainly want other people and all of us to make changes that are be better. But then it's also weird. People are very weird. Like even, you know, you see somebody like that dies from like lung cancer or, you know, they have these terrible um, lung issues and stuff. And then they continue to do things that are counterintuitive to that, even though mm-hmm. they've seen it. And I think there'll still be people like that. They're like, 
Oh, yeah, well, it's, we're over it. We're going to be over it. I'm just going to, you know, still go back to destructive things, you know, mm-hmm. and we forget a lot of times. Time kills a lot of that for people. Hopefully it'll be much better and people will take it seriously. Like, I think there's going to be a variety of things that are going to change from this. But the, the truth is that some people, they're going to try to keep it status quo. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and that that's frustrating sometimes, you know? Right. Well, everybody has different levels of resistance and yeah. different programs, subconscious programs running. So yeah, I mean, and there's, there's all different levels of awareness in the world. So, you know, I think for a lot of people, this, this will serve as a wake up call and they're going to shift and change. And for, for that, you know, even with me, I feel like, you know, I had to shift a level of fear that I had never experienced before. And it depends on where you are in your, you know, in your journey, your consciousness, spiritual journey. But I feel like a lot of people will wake up from this whole experience. What is the fear that you said you had to shift or work on? So for me, it was something so silly that triggered it. But I feel like whenever I heard, because in my mind, I guess what I, my go-to reaction, whenever there's mass hysteria in the news, I'm like, all right, you know, somebody's just, you know, blowing this out of proportion and it's not going to be real and blah, 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 blah. But then last Monday, and again, it sounds so silly, but my gym closed and I was like, what? You know, because that's kind of my place where I go to discharge any stress, yeah. where I go to go in the sauna and all of these different things. And I feel like that just really hit me. And I was like, wow, I guess I was wrong. I guess that I thought that this was going to be minimal and that it would come in and leave. But here we are in a, a national or, or world pandemic where, you know, I feel like a prisoner. Like I felt like I had no control because I couldn't go and do what I wanted to do. So I think that that brought up a lot of just fear and unknown and not knowing, you know, all of the questions that I'm sure a lot of people have in their mind. It's like, well, you know, how am I going to pay my bills? And, you know, when is this going to all be over? And when can I go, you know, down to the gyro shop and and get a gyro? (laughs) Not have to worry about social distancing. I think that, like, there was definitely an element of also... I'm a very social person and for me to not be able to, you know, go to, go to the gym or do normal things, it just felt very, like I said, just like a prison. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think for me, I had to realize that that was a, that is probably one of my distortions. And like you, I feel like a person can never be stripped from their power, their truth, their light, all of those things that are internal. So it took me purging that fear, those distortions to really anchor back in and say, all right, well, temporarily, this is this is what's happening. But what I can control is my attitude and how I respond to people and how I contribute right now. So it took that that frame of mind to shift in order for me to really anchor into, okay, I'm safe. I'm okay. So it was that whole journey that led me to finally be like, all right, I think I'm okay now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely jarring, especially there's different levels of things people are going through. Like, like for me, everything I've done is in the last couple of years, very remote. I live in a very tiny remote town. So my life has been very similar. 
mm-hmm. uh, because of that. But then I, I can feel for people who are in very large metropolitans where a large part of their life is getting out on the streets and walking around and going to events all the time. I and mean, that drastically changes your existence when right. that happens. So I could see how that could be very difficult, you know. Right. And I think, you know, I, I know that it's been said in psychology too, that humans are just wired for connection. So yes, mm-hmm. we can connect virtually. That's great. Um, but I don't know, for me too, there's nothing like having a client in person and helping them in that way and, and seeing them and being able to, you know, put my hands on them for Reiki or whatever it is. I just feel like yeah. there's that, that human element that you you know, you don't realize it, it's, it's, it, you don't realize it until it's gone. So. Isn't that, uh, many things in life, right? We are yeah. a strange species where that most of our lessons, a lot of, not most, but a lot of our lessons are learned when we're stripped of things. And mm. sometimes we say, oh, you know, let's be proactive and let's do this, let's do that. But I always find that for people, you know, sometimes it takes things being, completely taken from them or just or destroyed or whatever for them to start learning those lessons it really breaks them down and i think that's what's happening for a lot of people you know you think i just go and do whatever i want i go to the gym i go to go at the dinner with my friends whenever Mm -hmm. you know and when you can't do that you're like oh this exists in the world actually (laughs) like it could because for most for the most humans this has never existed for them in right. our, in our, they've never known a life like this. So well, it's yeah. the difficult. last, the last thing like this was the Spanish flu. When my grandmother was born in 1918, she's not with us anymore, but yeah. yeah, I mean, no one living right now, I don't think, or maybe they were like young kids when it happened, but yeah, they don't remember that much. Uh-huh. So it's, you know, when have things been shut down, like completely, where <laughs> you're like, I can't go and do stuff. I can't just go out of my house whenever I want and do, you know, it's just a different existence. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I thought, yeah. Soon. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's interesting. I've had talks with some of my friends and stuff, and I think everybody's on their own. Like you mentioned, like the gym was kind of your thing when it got, sounds like that's when it got real, really real, yeah. like significant. Yeah. And I think, I think that's fairly common for a lot of people I've known before that happened. I think they were like, oh, you know, nothing's really going to happen. And, and oh, it's just this, it's just that. And then once their kind of freedoms became encroached upon and they lost their jobs or they couldn't, that's when it went hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm very, I mean, both of us are very fortunate that we have mm-hmm. remote businesses that we can work from home. But yeah, a lot of the, you know, bars and restaurants and all of that, I mean, they, a lot of them aren't getting paid right now, which, you know, hopefully this stipend package um, or stimulus package goes through um, today. But, you know, it's funny. Everybody's paying attention to that, right? It's like normally people going through their lives, they may not have a huge amount of attention to something, you know, or, but all the, but it, it means something to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think like 78% of the, of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. They they can't oh, afford really? a two week. Yeah, like they cannot afford not getting paid one time on their thing. So it's a pretty dire circumstance. And I can see the division between people when they see these politicians not getting things done. And there's all this behind the scenes stuff when people are like, 
how am I going to survive? It's yeah, I I have a belief that that God always provides. So I mean, maybe that's just the optimistic point of view. But I feel like, yes, that might be possible that, you know, someone doesn't have enough money. And I feel like this is where it people can also get creative and, you know, yes. if, if you have to like ask your parents, you know, and this is yeah. something, what I tell, I know it's, you know, it's a blunt to the pride, but you know, there are resources out there and you have to get, sometimes get out of your own way and just be like, listen, I need to accept help. I need to accept support in this time. Cause yeah. I, I don't have it, you know? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you're going to be broken down to your, yeah very last line of defense in order to change, you know, and in many ways, you know, people will look at that and they go, well, why does that have to happen? Like, I don't want to have to be mm-hmm. in, in this situation. And all that. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? At some point in your life, if that doesn't happen to you on some level, I mean, there's been plenty of times in my life mm-hmm. that weren't like this, but I've been brought to my knees and I've been at the end of my rope thinking, what am I going to do and different decisions in my life? And that's going to happen in life. If that's never happened to you, I don't know what to tell you. You're going to have real problems <laughs> when, when, it, when the shit hits the fan. You're yeah. going to have real problems because it's just not that I wanted any of those things for me to happen. It's just you kind of build up the hardiness. The, it, you build up the experience of dealing yeah. with tough times when you have it. If you've never experienced it, yeah, you get resilient. You know, mm-hmm. What if you haven't experienced that? You're going to be in big trouble. Man. Yeah. Yeah, trust me. Yeah, I get that too. And I, but I also feel like there's so much gold in those opportunities because for Mm -hmm. me, I think you and I have talked about it before, but um, I was kicked out of my house when I was 23. And I I, remember that. Yeah, you're saying about that. Yeah. yeah, And I'm, you know, we've, I'm sure, all had different varieties and flavors of that, of, you know, different experiences, whether it's somebody, you know, going through a divorce or whatever, but those are really the, your defining moments because it shows what you just said, the word resilience of being able to bounce back and, you know, pick yourself up. And I feel like God is always there. He always, you know, he restores, It, it will happen. So Hopefully somebody out there is, is gaining some hope right now. If you're in, in a, you know, compromising place, I'm just sending you, you know, love and encouragement. It's interesting doing this podcast has given me a great appreciation for the different hardships that people have had. I had this lady on Courtney wisely. Her story is so wild. It's crazy. And she wanted to tell it. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, I mean, it's like maybe one of the crazier things I've ever heard, like that she, you know, she grew up in a trailer park, little tiny town in Missouri, and, you know, very like, just not a great environment to grow up in, very abusive. And she learned that her biological father was in prison Mm -hmm. uh, for murder. Um, And he ended up getting out and then she ended up kind of making up with him, meeting him actually, and then kind of being with them. And then the biological father murdered her stepmom when he got out. And she ended up becoming homeless while being eight months pregnant. And I never forget this. I said, what was it like being eight months pregnant and homeless living out of a, you know, a car? And she said, I felt like freedom. I said, are you serious? She said, yeah, when you came from what I came from, being homeless was a step up in life for me. Mm. 
Can you imagine? Oh, like that's that it broke me when I heard that. It broke me. I said, wow. wow, you just never know. Yeah. Wow, that's that is a I've never heard a story like that before. <laughs> it's on the podcast. It's on there, man. It's Courtney oh, Wisely. That it's, episode. <laughs> it's called Don't Stop Believing. Like it's like, I mean, just like it was it was like so crazy. And she was like, You sure you want to hear this? Like it's really disturbing. Mm. And I said, I want it all. I want to hear everything. This is going to change somebody's life. And when mm. I heard it, my jaw is just dropping when I'm listening to it on the podcast. Yeah. And, wow. you know, it makes you think like, hey, you know, you're going to be brought to your knees, man. And for her, she was like, I finally escaped. I was free being homeless. I couldn't even fathom that in my mind. Like that was a good thing, you know, like. Well, I, I can understand where she's coming from in the sense that, y you know, if you're coming, if you're in a toxic relationship or a toxic environment, you'd rather be anywhere rather than yeah. be in that place. So I can understand that. That's amazing. That I mean, yeah. you've had a very difficult story in spots. She's had that. I find that there's so many people that have had these incredible stories of coming, overcoming incredible mm -hmm. odds, you know, mm -hmm. and. This can be your story during this time that we're in, you know, and right. She allow it to be. You know? And I feel like the, and it sounds like this woman that you were just talking about, she's um, not a, in, she's not a victim to her circumstance. She was actually sound. She sounded like a really empowered individual because I feel like I know for me, it was very easy to get into that victim mindset, like, oh, my parents kicked me out and like all this happened to me and blah, blah, blah. But that's not what empowers people. When you can own your story and you can say it from a place of wisdom and experience and seeing the true gift, even if it's difficult, that's really where you start to inspire people. So it sounds like that woman, you know, had that as well. Yeah, she didn't. She's, you know become very successful and started her own business and has a, has a really good life. And, oh, you know, awesome. it's just really amazing. And just like, I love when people are so honest, like sometimes I've had people on where I think they're scared to share mm -hmm. some of their stuff. And I get that. And I'm like, but you wanted to share your story. That means all the <laughs> stuff that doesn't sound good. You know, this isn't a fairy tale, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah, I like that too. Just, I mean, I'm raw and real from New York. So that's what you're going to get from me. <laughs> Total New York. Total New York. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I've written a book about that whole experience. So it's out there already. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I can't hide this. I mean, everybody knows yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I talked to my my um, strategic ascension group, they're a bunch of pharmacists who are trying to build their own business. And I'm like, you know, you guys need to be vulnerable with your audience. And that can be a big block because it's, it is scary to be vulnerable sometimes because you're afraid of, you know, whatever those fears are, judgment, criticism, you don't want to hurt anybody by sharing what you have to share. So, I mean, there's a lot of blocks to that. So I can get that too. Yeah, no, I, for sure. I think there's, I had somebody call me and they're like, I think I overshared in my episode. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. She's like, oh, I wasn't <laughs> in the best place when I did that. And I'm like, I'm telling you, yeah, it helped. It helps somebody. I mm -hmm. guarantee you. And people tell me all the time that the episodes help them. So don't feel bad about it. You know, just, 
it's going to be, it's, it's totally fine. It's, I think people, you got to get, you have to be, if you want to get your story out there, you got to be real about it. You can't be like, well, in this part of the story, I edited it. And then it was, let's put a beep, didn't beep, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> not that effective when it does that. Sounds like a Jerry Springer episode. Beep. Oh beep. my gosh. I used to watch that show a lot back in the day. I'm not going to lie. Oh my God. Well, so yeah, it, it makes you feel better about your life. You're like, oh my God, what's out there? <laughs> Why is it that they're always doing like, I feel like the show was one way. And then it just turned into like paternity tests, basically the entire time. <laughs> yeah, that was you are not the father. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, just trashy stuff, you know. But I was like, oh man, I gotta watch this. And then they gave like the bodyguard his own show. I was like, what is oh, this? Yeah. Why does Steve have his own show? Like <laughs> Steve Wilkos, yep. <laughs> Steve Wilkos, man. Why does he have his own show? I'm like, I'm so confused by this. I'm like. It's just, it's just weird to me, but yeah, (laughs) but you know, I think that being vulnerable is really important. And if people allow this situation where we're having to really think, how can I share my story and be vulnerable? Like there's going to be a lot of good things that come out of this time. You know, I don't want to be disrespectful about, you know, the suffering because there's, there's going to be pain. There is pain. But there'll also be a time of reflection of and people moving forward and they, they can actually choose how they want to move forward in many ways too. Right. Absolutely. And you know what I love seeing too? Um, a lot of a lot of people are like, oh, you know, there's all this fear on Facebook. Well, yeah, but there's also a lot of people sharing their gifts. So mm-hmm. I did a virtual workout with one of my Facebook friends today, you know, on his Instagram. Um, you know, I'm sharing, you know, meditations and all these different things. There's a lot of positive going into this. And I think the world is really coming together. So I want to highlight that too. I think that needs to be brought to the forefront of just the gratitude I feel for the people who are contributing and putting things out there. Like even this podcast, like this is really going to help somebody. So yeah, with everything that's happening, there's a lot of good that's going to come out of it too. Welcome. To the intermission space of Dr. D's social network. Life has surely been very different since the introduction of COVID-19. How we think about our lives, how we live our lives has become very different. But we will be out of this at some point. But the memories will live with us and how we live will continue to evolve. Think about your energy, the energy that you're bringing to your daily life. Is that energy life-giving energy or is it life-draining energy? Take a moment, think about it, really ingest it, then do something positive. I think we got to talk about it. That's one yeah. of the reasons I love doing the podcast. You know, it's, what's interesting is when you and I were talking about doing another episode, we had no clue this was yeah. coming. <laughs> yep. We didn't Zero know clue. Happen. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, you know, a month or a month and a half, you, you know, you schedule stuff and you think, oh, I'm going to talk maybe about this or that. And then that's life though. Things change on the drop of a dime, you know, right. it's, Exactly. Talking about COVID-19 and stuff, you know? Yeah, this was meant to, we were meant to have this conversation. So that's, it's great.
Well, being from New York, though, like what a rough time they're having up there. Oh, oh my yeah. Goodness. They're in lockdown. My parents are in Long Island. They're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people that I went to high school with, I'm seeing pop up on Facebook. Oh, you know, I have it. And um, they have two new drugs, oh. uh, a cocktail of drugs that they're using, um, hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax. And that seems to help. So, hope you know, hopefully that's working for people and we can reduce the num- number of deaths that are happening. Um, yeah. yeah, it's pretty stark. I mean, it's like, you know, how much do you check on it? You know, how much do you list? Do you watch the news? Cause it right. can consume you like the constant coverage of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think that it's, you know, my fiance is constantly, you know, he's what he watches the, the video with Trump every day. I don't even know what it's called. Cause I don't pay oh, attention. Yeah. I think it's like the task force briefings and all yeah. this stuff, you know, so I'm, I, he gives me like the cliff notes version. I'm like, all right, what happened <laughs> today? Cause I don't, I won't watch it. I don't want to see, like I, I filter what I take into my energy. Yep. yep. I'm, I'm very similar uh, to that. Actually, I watched one of those briefings uh, for the first time the other day, just cause I, I was like curious. I was like, yeah. what are these briefings like? I mean, what? And I was like, honestly, this is weird. Like, it's just strange because you find yourself like getting kind of amped up because you hear one thing said by one person and then another person in administration says something different. Mm. And then you start thinking, okay, why are we not on the same page with this type of thing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of gets you you start rising up. And I remember telling myself, I'm like, I, I have to suspend myself from this. Like I, yeah, this is, this is like, this will, this will pull you in if you're not careful, you know? Right. And you have to, yeah, definitely protect your energy in that way. And a lot of my clients are saying that too, that they can't, you know, I, I feel like a lot, like I'm definitely energetically sensitive. I feel like a lot of mm. people are, and you have to protect that. So Explain that a little bit more energetically sensitive. I would like to explore that. Yeah. So as far as being a highly sensitive person, like I know for me, I've always been that way. So I, in spiritual terms, it's called being an empath. So you empathically Mm -hmm. kind of absorb what's going on around you in your environment. And some people, people who are more highly sensitive um, feel things on a deeper level. So that's me a hundred percent. Um, you know, when I was five years old, I remember having stomach aches because I was nervous and had anxiety about going to school and all of these things that were going on around me because, you know, I'm a healer. So naturally, you know, you have to be more energetically sensitive in order to tap into people and, you know, help them heal and transform but I didn't know that as a five-year-old little girl, I just knew, right. Hey, I have this physical symptom that I have a stomach ache. So people have different levels of sensitivity to things. And for me, I know, I think, I think it's like, I forget the statistic. I think it's like maybe 20% of the population is highly sensitive. Um, especially for healers, because we, that's just innate for us. That's how we, you know, help people because, you know, for me, when I'm talking to somebody, I sense through their tone, through their energy, through, you know, if they're in in front of me, I can see and feel, um, there's a clairsentience, clairvoyance, all of these different things that, you know, people can tap into these intuitive abilities, but 
I feel people and I'm kind of like an emotional detective and I can be like, all right, what's going on here? What's, what are you not telling me what's off? And I can just kind of tune into that. That's actually one of my, my soul gifts. But, um, so I know for me specifically, and for probably a lot of people listening to this, you are energetically sensitive. So you have to protect the things that you're ingesting, not just the food that you're eating, but the <laughs> your absorbing and and the news that you're watching and the people that are around you because it it does impact you, right? It's called contagious for a reason. It's not just like, oh, this virus is contagious. Thoughts are contagious, your attitude, all of these different things that we don't even think about, right? Like before this virus, we didn't think about how close we got to people or, you know, what we listened to. And now it's becoming more evident because this is here in its present for us, but I, I know that I need to always check that and watch. And, you know, even with my own emotions, sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm feeling anxiety right now. I'm feeling whatever and be able to, to let it go. Cause maybe it's not my energy. It could be something that I picked up from a client or Hmm. something that I heard from the news. So just being energetically aware like that is so helpful because a lot of people are absorbing stuff and they don't realize why am I exhausted at the end of the day? Well, maybe you just spend an hour on the phone with somebody who was complaining and bring sucking your energy and bringing mm-hmm. it down. So all of these things are important when you're talking about, you know, your energy and, um, you know, like I said, it's not just about what you're ingesting physically. It's so much about all of these other things. I love that. I mean, that was so well said. Christina, I mean, thank you. That was so well said. I mean, literally, I think it's something I I was just talking to my wife about this the other day. And I said, you know what we're going to find out? This had nothing to do with coronavirus and all that. This was like a projection I had just of our civilization as we continue to grow is that we're going to find out that the the stress we have in our lives, the emotional stress and who we connect ourselves with is going to be one of the greatest risk factors for our health yeah. in, in the coming years. We spend so much time focusing on, and, and rightly so, you know, on physical and health and all these other things and nutritional health. But the big bomb is going to be who the people we spend our time with, the, how they are, their energy, negative or positive. Yeah. Because that stress manifests itself in all those other ways as well. Right. It, it connects to those ways. You know, it affects your sleep, it affects your physical well-being, affects your nutrition, all that. Who are you spending time around? How are, what is their energy towards you? Exactly. My, my question to you is, how do you, how do you limp or how do you deal with the exposure to several people in your life that may have a tendency to complain a lot? How do you do that? That's a great question. So this is where energetic boundaries come in and... I've actually had a lot of clients who have people like that in their life. And I feel like what you can do is just, you know, either cut the conversation short and say, you know what, like I have 10 minutes, um, you know, mm. I'd love to listen to you, um, you know, and I don't know, some people just vent to vent, but you know, you don't have to feed into that and be like, oh yeah, did you see what happened on the news? Just realizing when you're going into that mode of, engaging with somebody who's focused on drama or gossip or whatever, and knowing that you have the choice to disengage from that. So 
just being aware of that in the first place is going to really conserve your energy big time. Um, and then, like I said, setting limits, you know, in, in a loving way, you can just say, listen, I have 10 minutes. Um, I'd love to chat with you and then, you know, just end the call. And it, it's about you protecting yourself and your energy so that, and, um, Tony Robbins always says, stand guard at the, the gates of your mind. And it's, mm. it's similar, right? Because you don't just want anything like you wouldn't want to be exposed to radiation. I'm not saying that this person is toxic in that way, but you know, when someone's, you know, an energy vampire or they're taking all this energy from you, then you don't have the space to go and do what you want to do or give it to your kids or whatever. So all of this is really so important for health. And I agree with what you said before about how stress really impacts everything. Um, there's a new field of science called epigenetics. I don't know if you've heard mm -hmm. of it. I'm aware of it. Yeah. Okay. So it's pretty much saying that the typical medical model was thinking that, you know, our disease was primarily caused by genetics, but that's actually not true. So epigenetics is founded on the basis that your environment is what impacts your disease state. So if mm -hmm. you're in a toxic environment, and this is exactly what I was just talking about, right? So it's not just about physical health. It's about how are you taking care of your, your emotions? How is your social health? Are you isolated? And you know that's causing you to feel depressed. It, like All of these factors are very much a part of this process where it can either turn to disease or foster health. So I really think that's important to bring up because- you know, things are changing and they, they've done studies to show that your environment is a huge, huge influence on mm -hmm. your health. It's gigantic. I, I've had somebody on who's talked a lot about zip code health and how so much research is now focusing on where you live, the type of people you're around, you know, the energy mm -hmm. you're taking in. Yeah, And that was kind of like, as I started to read more of this research and as the wall of literature is building, it's when I started having these conversations with people yeah. about this is the, this is the elephant in the room, man. And you're not seeing the elephant, but man, <laughs> it's there and it's not what you think it is. <laughs> you know, it, that tidal wave is coming and you better start evaluating you know, where you, where your physical location is, what your emotional energy is being put towards, who you're spending time with. And because you're going to find out this is going to have hugely damaging or hugely positive effects on your overall well-being. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And some people, I know somebody's listening right now and they're like, well, what if the person's in your family? And oh, I was going to ask you that too. I see this is like, we're on the same wavelength. So yeah. With that, you, yeah, I mean, limiting your phone conversations or setting, you know, setting those healthy boundaries and just, or, or communicating with love and saying, you know, this is what I need from you right now. And being able to voice that because I feel like, especially with family, it's so deeply gridded because it's, it's your family of origin. It's the root of everything that you know. That's how you were brought up, how you were raised. It's it's very interwoven with, you know, a lot of your belief system and how you view every aspect of life. So there's almost a sense of like betrayal. I've gone through this myself when you're 
not distancing yourself, but you're setting those boundaries because it's like, oh, am I being a bad person? But in reality, you're actually helping yourself because maybe it's not forever. And maybe, you know, say that you're in a fight with somebody or, you know, whatever is going on in your family unit, you need to distance yourself. It always comes back. And like I said before, God restores and if you pray about it and you just ask your inner guidance on what to do, you'll know what to do in order to help the situation. If you maybe need a little bit of distance or you need to set boundaries or whatever that might be. Um, I've definitely had that, that experience too. So what's interesting is, yeah, yeah. What's interesting is I feel like we could take this current terminology of social distancing. I think we, we can reframe it a little bit better. Because I've been saying that I think what we're actually doing, and a lot of medical professionals, people are saying it's really physical distancing, because there's still a lot of social aspects going on that mm. you can be in different ways. Yeah. But what you're talking about is probably truly social distancing, when you're saying I need to limit my interaction, my social, yes. verbal interaction with you because you are projecting you know, whatever it may be, this negative energy too much on me. Mm-hmm. That's almost really what social distancing is because you're actually cutting the interaction. I mean, and, and like, and what we're doing now, we're cutting our physical interaction. That's right. what we're doing. That's so it's a different, I think that's, pr- to me, that's what seems probably more appropriate to think mm-hmm. about it that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I never really thought of it that way. Oh, well, like if you're like, I know people that struggle with talking to their parents and, and they're like, oh, so-and-so is just so negative and all they complain all the time. And they're just like, how do I do this? How do I tell this person I can't take all of this negative energy or this like, and I've suggested the same thing you did. You got to limit these phone calls, 10 minute max. You know, you got to put deadlines on people sometimes, right. you know, like, right. or else they'll just drain you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And they might be resistant at first because, you know, if we're involved in family patterns, most likely there was, I don't know, maybe some codependency or like somebody that you talk to for hours every day and now you're limiting, they might give you some pushback, but you need to do what's best for you. And it's part of your health. Like we said, this whole picture. Yeah. I think these are, these are growing fields. Of, of study and we're especially epigenetics. And I had, it's funny you mentioned, that. I was like, oh yeah, I've definitely heard of that. I know about it and looking it up. And I, I just think there's just so much to it that I really, um, I find very native to me personally. Mm. Um, and that there is a huge environmental factor to play. And I just think we just need to have more of these conversations related oh, to it, sure. you know? Yeah. Who knew it would turn into this? <laughs> I have no clue what anything turns into when I started. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're like, hey, what's up? Let's talk. <laughs> I just, that's the best part about podcasts. Before you, I had uh, Jan James on, and she's a, a Southern um, blues rocker. And so right. it was awesome. And, you know, she's in her basement with her studio. We're talking. She's singing during it half the time. She brings down her producer, her partner, and he's like, oh, you know, I, I'm busy. And it's funny. I'm just listening to them, like, kind of bicker with each other. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then- he brings down the guitar and they start a jam session and they're singing and stuff. And I was like, you can't plan this. You right. Can't, you, you just got to let it happen, man. 
So I'm, I'm a boring guest. I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, when are you going to sing or dance or do something? <laughs> Christina, when are you going to make this fun? Okay. I just like, <laughs> Sorry, but I'm we're having like a different conversation, you know, that like, I don't know, we're going to talk about epigenetics. And uh, I mean, I figured we'd talk about coronavirus a little bit, but yeah, I don't think we're going to talk about like energy boundaries. I mean, I have no clue. Yeah. Just let it happen, man. Yeah. yeah. The conversation just flows. Yeah. That's how I am with my friends, with family. A lot of times something will pop in my head and we just get into a discussion with my clients, you know, like today I was talking about kind of the, I wonder how this will affect kind of the reurbanization of cities and how some people might rethink about wanting to be, live in a city during really difficult times because of the nature of how cities come to, could come to a gigantic halt like it is now Yeah. versus being in a more remote place. I don't know. I just threw that out there. You know, I was just, I got in a good conversation about it. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a lot of space for rebirth and, you know, for people to reinvent themselves and and pivot because honestly, a lot of, a lot of businesses especially are going to have to pivot in this time. I heard a lot of businesses are just not going to reopen on some level Yeah, without, without help, obviously. But there was, I was on a conference call with a gentleman in the fitness business and pretty big time and a very with a very large brand and 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 he was saying that their projections and and looking at injury stu- industry stuff was that basically twenty five percent of gyms are not going to reopen at this point. Wow! You wow. realize how big of a bomb that would be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And you know, I started thinking about that, and then my business partner and I were like, it could be right, actually. You know, there's a lot of these facilities are just hanging on by a thread as it is. Mm. And when you take away regular membership and all these different sources of revenue with it, and, you know, they may be able to get some, obviously some, some help from the government, this thing passes, but we truly don't know how long the impact is going to be. Even when you open things back up, it's not like people, they may not allow people to just rush back into everything. You know, there's going to be, we need to actually see how this is playing out. And that's not a short game. It's not. Yeah. You're right about the long-term impact for sure. Yeah. So how's that going to affect people's energy, their, their state of mind? Like you said, pivoting, there may be some people who are pivoting. Like you, I think you mentioned this earlier to a different career potentially. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, I mean, not that I'm promoting pharmacists to leave their jobs, but I know (laughs) a lot of, a lot of them, and I'm having another conversation with a different podcaster tomorrow about, you know, entrepreneurship and pharmacists becoming coaches, like what I do. And this is what I teach, mm. you know, my my clients now in my strategic ascension. I have, um, I have a bunch of pharmacists who, you know, they just don't resonate with it anymore. They want to do meaningful work and pursue their soul's calling. And pharmacy can be very meaningful, but it's also heavily driven by, you know, numbers and number of prescriptions and flu shots and all of those, those markers that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, is that fulfilling? Probably not. So what do you mean? Like, is like numbers like driven by like, you have to do this many or explain that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in, especially, you know, I worked for a corporate chain 
And there's a lot of pressure, you know, not only do you have to be perfect in making sure that you're putting the right pills and there's no interactions and, you know, no allergies and all of like, there's a, a lot behind that. You also have your district manager saying, okay, well, you need to give, you know, I'm just throwing a number out, 10 flu shots, you know, today, and you have to give two ancillary vaccines. So that's like pneumonia or the, um, Zoster, what's the shingles, shingles shots. Uh There's all that pressure. You know, it's not just filling prescriptions. It's, you know, how many patients did you counsel? And like, do you have all these things in order? I mean, it's very stressful to be a pharmacist, especially retail pharmacists. And then in, in addition to that, now they have all of this on their plate and they're worried about, you know, contracting a very spreadable virus. So there's, there's a lot going on right now in pharmacy. I had no clue that there were like actual like things like you had to do a certain amount of that those things like Oh for sure and you know with a lot of the chains it's actually timed you know you have to time yeah it's time so you have to fill prescriptions in in a certain time <laughs> What? Mhm. I am completely naive when it comes to this. I must learn more. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And you know, the number that's in your queue, you know, I mean, I don't, it, I, this was a year ago, you know, before I quit my job, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a lot of pressure for people and, you know, for your mental health, you get no breaks. You're standing for 12 hours. Um, you're supposed to quote unquote, make your own breaks, but that never works out because you go to take a bite of your sandwich and a doctor's on the phone and a patient has a question and reconstitute a medication or give a flu shot. I mean, it's, it's never ending. So God bless the retail pharmacists that are out there because it is not for the faint of heart. Did you ever, did you see that Netflix, um, like series, the pharmacist? Have you seen it? No, I didn't, but, um, I did see it on there. Uh Uh-huh. It's incredible. It is. It's like one of the better shows they've ever put on, on Netflix. Like, just the series and they detail this pharmacist and his son was murdered and it just kind of the whole pharmacy industry. And then like the whole spread of like, um, you know, pills Mm -hmm. and, uh, was it, uh, Oxycontin? Yeah. Uh, and just all that stuff. It was, it's like mind blowingly good. Mind blowingly good. Mind blowing. I better watch that tonight. It's mind blowing. You better, you like really, it's like four episodes and they're like an hour a piece. So it's, it's a haul, but it's just the way they tell the story and interlacing murder and societal change and drug addiction and police uh, brutality. And it's like all these things mixed in and mystery. And you're just like, I have to know what happens. I don't, I got to figure out why. How did they, how did they get into this? You know, and basically one man's desire to, um, you know, find the killer of his son. Yeah. And, and then he figures out that it's a gigantic national issue and his quest as a pharmacist to try to do the right thing mm. in the face of this growing opioid addiction, uh, that he was not aware of, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very important topic for sure. It's, you know. It's definitely uh, been a huge topic in pharmacy over the last five years. So yeah, like prescribing these things, you know, if you ever want to do a really good podcast with my friend, Todd, Todd Yuri, he runs the pharmacy podcast. He is so passionate about that subject. 
Um, he's very involved with advocacy to help um, combat opioid addiction. And he's he's been doing podcasting for 10 years. I always recommend um, people listen to his podcast and you would love him as a guest. So definitely um, I'll connect you too. Yes, please. That is like, I need this dude on. I got to talk to this guy, man. Like, it's just an interesting conversation. It's very relevant. It's substantial. It's just like this conversation. Everything we've said is extremely relatable to every human being listening to this. It's not just for one thing. Right. It's for all humans, what we've talked about. Well, and Todd actually interviewed the pharmacist, the guy that- Oh, Yeah. So you'll have a blast. My head's going to (laughs) explode. Yeah. He's great. (laughs) Wow. I definitely, I would be very grateful to um, get the introduction for that, Christina, for sure. Absolutely. You know, you're one of the rare people who has been on twice now on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm special. No, thanks. (laughs) See, you don't have to play music for me. Come on. Yeah, I don't have to serenade the audience. <laughs> no, none of that. It just got to be you, which is which is certainly wonderful enough, you know. No, that's awesome. Well, thank you for having me on again. This is a Yeah, great- no, it's it's my pleasure. I mean, what a different conversation from the last one. That's the great thing about it. Mhm. Yeah, so, I wonder what the date was for our first episode. I'll have to look that up. It's way back there. I don't think it lists like the actual date on um my cue. No, it does actually on, um, actually I'm going to tell you this right now because I could pull this up so quick. It's going to be like magic. You'll see. It was May maybe of last year. Well, think about it. You were the second ever episode I ever did. Wow. Number two. And that was May 29th, 2019. May. I knew it was May. Crazy, right? Oh, it was too. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Those were the times, right? Well, hopefully the next time we chat, this is all over. Yeah, I hope so too. Well, you and your family be safe and be well, and we will be in touch. Okay. Absolutely. Take care. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.